You're listening to TFM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we'll look forward to seeing you there. Hello and welcome to TFM's local watering hole. I am just one of the hosts here, Matthew Rushing, and I'm so excited to be here with globetrotting, amazing person that she is, Christy Morris. Hello. Yes, I have figured out the way around the lasers. Uh, I've got my red dress on and um, I don't know anyone at this party. Just letting you know, I don't know anyone. Well, I think you might know this one person who's here. Scott, it's been a while since you've been back. I know, and I was supposed to be back a whole lot sooner, and then I had to go and get a stupid stomach bug. So, boo his. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I It was really, I know you were really frustrated with that because we were going to be talking Dune with you, and uh, you had to miss that. But, you know, thankfully they've greenlit Dune 2, so... You could be on that show. Oh, so I, that's I, fantastic. I, 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 fear is the mind killer. I will, I will, yes. I will, I will do my best to be there. <laughs> as long well, as, uh, as long as the bacteria doesn't come after me next. I was about to say, you might, no. I mean, we might need, uh, you know, fear is the stomach bug killer. Uh, killer. so that, that might be what we need, but, <laughs> but I'm, I'm so excited to have you here, um, because we're going to be having some fun tonight as we dive into, what has been touted as Netflix's most watched movie, which nobody knows what that means because, you know. Because Netflix doesn't doesn't want you to know what that means because all that matters is that they can say it and then we believe it and it's a big deal because they say it. It's how streaming works, folks. You know. You mean it's more watched than Kissing Booth? I don't know. I guess I've I've never heard of Kissing Booth or To All the Boys I've Loved. Oh, before. I love To All the Boys I've Loved Before. I love that entire trilogy. Don't don't you slander To All the Boys I've Loved Before? <laughs> I legitimately enjoy that trilogy so much. No, I did too. I'm just saying. I'm kind of surprised it's more watched you know, than that. I just uh, I just have to say before we even dive into anything uh, at all, it just you know it goes it perfectly with today's mantra which is just reality distortion you just say a bunch of words that don't necessarily mean anything but they get people all excited so i mean that's exactly what netflix does when it tells us that it's their most watched movie ever okay whatever that means so you know who who knows how many people actually watch things so you're saying that more people watch this than something else that you had, which we don't know how many people really watch. So that's great. Thank you so much for telling us these things. Or was it just one person replaying it over and over and over to increase the view count? You know, you know, a question I always have is not only is it about like, is it how many households like, you know, like, you know, even a household can have multiple profiles on a Netflix account. Like if if different people watch right. it on the different profiles, does that count as a separate view or because it's technically all under one account? Is it just the one account? These are questions that I ponder late at night when I have nothing else better mm-hmm. to do. Which, yeah, exactly. exactly. So, well, uh, before we dive into talking about Red Notice, we want to say a huge thank you to everybody who's listening. Uh, we really appreciate everybody who does. Uh, you know, if if you like the show, a few things you can do to help out. You know, make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, that way you get the shows as soon as they drop. You'll get the bonus shows as soon as they drop as well, especially as we're actively putting out assembling avengers right now and we do have a special episode coming out of snyder cuts very soon because well we've got to talk about army of thieves there so you can look forward to that uh of course you can also find us on all the social media platforms out there we're on twitter at the 602 club we're on instagram at the 602 club tfm you can also of course find us on facebook at facebook.com slash trek fm there's a listeners only discussion group you can join there called babel conference where you can talk to people from all over the world listening to the shows 
And of course, uh, you could find us online at trek.fm where you've got the entire website devoted to everything going on on the entire network. So all of those places uh, you can find us. And if you like the show, we'd really appreciate it if you went over to Patreon to make sure that the network can continue to bring you all of this great content. Uh, and, you know, we do it without any ads. So the only ad you're going to get is to please help us out over at patreon.com slash trek.fm. And if you want the, the network to continue and for us to be able to even grow, uh, that's the only way that that's going to happen. So, again, that's patreon.com slash trek.fm. So, Scott and Christy, you know, uh, we spent... I guess two years in and out of our homes very frequently, uh, infrequently, really. Uh, and so movies coming out on things like Netflix and is a, is a big deal. It became, has become more of a big deal. So um, when you saw that they were going to do a movie with Gal Gadot as well as Ryan Reynolds and The Rock all in one movie, were you guys excited? Um, you know what? I, I looked at it and went, this is going to be fun. Like, I don't know if the word excited really fits, but I was intrigued and I was like, you know what? It's a seven bucks production. You got those three people and it's a Netflix movie. And let's be honest, when you talk about any kind of direct to streaming film, the threshold for me wanting to watch it is incredibly low because well, who cares? It's there. And it, 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 even if it looks mildly entertaining, I'm going to watch it. And what I was told was I've got a heist movie, which is already a genre that I have adored for decades. With those three, it's going to be fun. So why the heck not? And I think and I think that's kind of my my attitude going into it was why the heck not? No, I think that's a perfect way to summarize it because I think they were capitalizing on that probably with it being direct to Netflix. They're hoping that even if people aren't overly thrilled about it, that at least they've got the actors to pull them in and they've got the streaming audience that is more willing to click on pretty much whatever. <laughs> so, yeah, but uh, I was interested. Um, I admit I already follow the rock and ryan reynolds on social media so i knew when this came out um before i even saw a trailer or anything and i don't think i ever actually saw a trailer other than i saw that they were doing this movie you know it's it's interesting because i i, I was definitely intrigued and i think you know it just goes to the fact of who it was going to be in the movie you know i mean you put these three uh in a movie together and, and i think that immediately draws you in and the reason that you get these three people to be in a movie because it immediately draws you in in a way that, you know, I can't say that every, you know, thing that comes out on Netflix that I even know comes out because there's so much content that's coming out these days. It's really hard to keep up, honestly. Like, I get lost in the sea of content that we have coming out on all of these platforms. And, and it seems like every day there's a new streaming service coming out claiming to have, you know, the newest, greatest shows or movies. And so putting that all together, you know, I think they they wisely did something here to which would get people to to recognize, oh, okay, this is happening on Netflix. And, you know, you, you put these three stars who are social media savvy and you're probably going to uh, capture an audience, you know, um, and apparently the world's largest audience for Netflix ever. Biggest numbers. Well, we don't really talk about numbers, but biggest audience ever. So um, I thought it was really interesting, though, that this movie was obviously meant to come out earlier than it did, and it was delayed because of COVID. And I wanted to ask both of you, with that in mind, did you feel that at all in the production of the movie that this maybe in some ways isn't as high production value wise as you might have expected if they hadn't been delayed and hadn't had to shoot, you know, basically during the height of COVID? Well, I'd say for me, there were only two things that I really noticed production wise that stood out that were bad. 
Um, I don't know if you could tell, but I think probably all of us could tell the bullfight scene. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Was definitely <laughs> in front mm-hmm. of a green screen. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, I gotta say, I um, jumping ahead a little bit. I didn't love some of the filming style. I will. I'll piggyback off of that because it was weird for me how there were portions of the film that I thought the filming style was like really kinetic and energetic, and like I think of like Ryan. I think of the the beginning scene at the museum where Ryan Reynolds is like escaping, and it almost gave me like a Michael Bay esque like. The way Bay can make the camera make the image feel like mm. momentum. And then there were other times where it's like that wasn't there. Like the fight between the three of them in the arms dealers, like little private museum. It's like, wow, there there was wildly inconsistent energy here. And so mm-hmm. that's all I felt. Now, you know, th- every, otherwise, it just felt like, okay, I'm watching a, I wouldn't even say a quote Netflix movie because I feel like that gets thrown around. It's like, what does that even mean? Because I've seen wildly different kinds of movies, you know, Netflix originals that are either Netflix just bought it or no Netflix actually made it. And I don't feel like there's, I, I feel like people throw that around because they, they think it's an easy insult. And, you know, yes, there are movies that Netflix puts out that were lower budget, but I can also see movies like that in the theater. This one felt like a weird hybrid in the middle. And I don't know if that's COVID. I don't know if that's the budget that Netflix allowed for it. I don't know if it's this director. I've never heard of this director before. So, like, I, I don't know what to assign it to. I just feel like they were making this movie. And maybe COVID affected it. Would I be, you know, it's kind of like a cool little what if. What would this movie have looked like if the pandemic hadn't happened? I don't know. I will admit it didn't strike me as watching it. I wasn't like, oh, they did this while COVID and I can see the things. Like I've seen productions where it's like, wow, there. this is what you were filming before COVID hit. This is what you were filming after COVID hit. And I could tell like series. I can, t- I could tell that this movie, I really didn't like, it didn't strike me. So I thought it was interesting that you put that in the show notes. Cause I was like, huh, I hadn't thought about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it was something that, um, I, I really felt, you know, and I think you're right, Scott. A lot of times you get thrown around the whole idea. Oh, it's a Netflix movie. And I think, when people say that, what they mean is that by saying it's the, a Netflix movie is the new way of saying, oh, it's made for TV movie. That, mm-hmm. You know, that's it's it's a made for Netflix movie. <laughs> uh, and 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 that's kind of the connotation that we have now. And, you know, in some ways, some of their movies very much have that. And then some of them don't, you know, and, and it really just depends. And I, I feel like this one to me probably would i i feel like have felt less like that if it hadn't been filmed during covid because there were too many places where i felt like you're in a minimalistic set you're using a lot of green screen here and the actors aren't really in a lot of the locations that they're supposed to be in um and um and it's not even like the quality of like the void you know from Mandalorian where you can't tell the difference most of the time um here there were plenty of times where I could feel that they weren't where they're supposed to be and um I think specifically uh, you know obviously the bullfight it's terrible it's it's really really bad um I've seen better CGI and video games um you know kind of thing and I think, you know, you both rightly called out, like, there's this weird thing where some scenes feel like they have a really nice kinetic energy to them that the, you know, the movement of the camera and everything's bringing. And then other times everything kind of feels flat, which you're kind of surprised at, especially when it's your, one of your big scenes where they're all fighting, um, you know, in, in that uh, collector's art gallery room, you know, so I, I you know. I think you can definitely feel that they only get basically a week to film in Italy. 
And that's pretty much it. The rest of it, you know, this is all, you know, stuff that's, uh, feels like it's done more on a stage, which is where you bring in your star power. You know, like you want this movie to kind of be put over the top by the fact that you've got Dwayne Johnson, Ryan Reynolds, and Gal Gadot. And so I wanted to ask both of you, you know, how do you feel like these stars do then in this movie when this is clearly a film that is being driven by star power? Like, if they don't show up, this movie is not going to work for anyone. The hard part for me is that I love all three of them, and I worried initially that it was going to be too many A-listers in one movie. Um, But I think that the problem is more that they're each really playing up the kind of tropes, I guess is the word I would say, that they're each known for doing every time. Um, And I... You know, initially, like I'm saying, I love the Deadpool version of Ryan Reynolds with his humor and stuff. But I feel like now it's become his thing where he does that in every movie he's in, where it's that, you know, sarcastic humor kind of thing. And The Rock is there to be the muscle and the, you know, um, recognizable, most recognizable, I would say, I think, of the three of them. Um although he gets a little bit to surprise the audience at the end, which was nice. Um, otherwise it's kind of predictable for him too. And then gal, I thought she was great, but I wish that they kind kind of gave her character more challenge because it felt a little to me like everything was easy for her until the waterfall scene. Whereas the two of them actually, the guys went through more struggle as characters. You know what, Chrissy, that's really interesting. And I have to say that in retrospect, I agree with that. Um, what you said about Dwayne Johnson, which is about Ryan Reynolds, nailed it. They're playing themselves, or at least they're playing the characters that they have of late played in like every movie. And you could argue, but that's what you get them for. You get them to be Dwayne Johnson. You get them to be Ryan Reynolds. I will admit that Gal was the one who... This might be a little hyperbolic, but I'm going to say impressed me the most because I thought she was the one playing against what I'm used to seeing her as. Like, this was one of the first times I've seen Gal in a movie that I felt like she was having fun with it. Like, she got to be playful, which is not something that. Of what I've seen her in, which is mainly Wonder Woman and Giselle from the Fast and Furious movies. I mean, I I haven't seen Keeping Up with the Joneses, and I don't know what other films Gal has been in, like, because we're still waiting on Death on the Nile to come out. But this one was like, she got to be a little Bond villain. And it was a fun twist for me watching her doing that. And so I felt like, I felt like of the three of them, she was the one that I felt like I was watching something new from her. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I agree. Yeah, I honestly couldn't agree with either of you more. Um, I do think it was interesting because what Dwayne Johnson doing here is basically what he does in the Fast and Furious movies for the most part, like his character. Um, And you know, Ryan Reynolds is just doing the most classic version of Ryan Reynolds you can get, um, which is to try and be as funny as possible with every single line that he says. Um, and everything is a joke. And mm-hmm. it's I, I do I do agree with you, Christy. You know, I think especially with him. I mean, I hate to say it, but it's tired. Like, it's just not funny anymore. and. Because it's so expected. There's nothing unexpected about it. And and so I would love to see him like really try and do something that stretches him and as an actor. And I believe he could do it. You know, um, and and even Dwayne Johnson, the same thing. I would actually, and that's kind of one of the reasons I think I'm excited maybe to see his Black Adam. Because he's going to get to do something different. You know, I think, hopefully, um, and fingers crossed. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
uh, you know, who knows what's happening with the DCEU these days anyway, but that's a whole other story. Um, Gal, though, like, I think you're right, you know, uh, keeping up with the Joneses is probably the closest to this role that she's had, and somewhat similar, except I do feel like here she's just kind of being and getting the opportunity to play a character who kind of revels in their badness and their, you know, like everything that goes along with that. You know, she's she is enjoying her sexiness. She's enjoying the fun and, and the mayhem that she's causing. She's enjoying causing pain to others, you know, like um, mm-hmm. a little bit like Xenia Onatop from uh, <laughs> Goldeneye, right, yeah. you know, like that's the kind of character <laughs> she's playing. And... And I think you are absolutely right, Scott, that she's the only one here who actually feels like she's having a lot of fun with this role and not really caring about how great she is or anything. Like, she's just kind of enjoying it where I I feel like the other, the guys here, it's like work. Like, they're working to be funny. They're working, you know, whereas Gal is just kind of, it seemed like she just threw caution to the wind and just, she just had a great time. And, you know, I I wish, in many ways, I wish the other guy, the guys had taken, you know, a page from her book and did that. You know, um, mm-hmm. and because I, I really do think that she was the one who I found to be the most enjoyable to watch on screen and not just because it's Gal Gadot, because the other two guys are great looking, too. So it's not like I don't yeah, enjoy watching all of these people. On <laughs> this is screen. just beautiful. This is just beautiful, sexy people on on screen exactly. for like two hours. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Three good looking people doing a heist. OK, <laughs> right. So it's not like that's the point. It's just. She was just much more magnetic on screen, which is strange to say with those other two actors who normally that's their M.O. And yet I think part of the what we're saying is that their M.O. has become so much their M.O. that it's actually just kind of boring now. Like we want something else from them. Yeah. And that's hard for me to say, I will say, because Ryan Reynolds, especially when he first did that kind of humor with Deadpool, it was different and it was a whole new side to Ryan Reynolds where we were really getting to see something where he was pushing the envelope. But then if you do that same caricature in every movie following, you're right. I mean, it gets a little tired and too expected and he needs to do something that shows more range again. Like Free Guy that we talked about. That was different. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it so, because it, in that way too, with that movie, it's more earnest, right? He's playing a, a more right. earnest character, um, you know, one who doesn't have that kind of like completely cynical edge again that we've seen before. So, yeah, I, I, I it's kind of, it's just kind of frustrating. I did want to add in um, one person that we didn't mention that I wanted to say was great was uh, Ritu Arya, who was. Um, the Interpol agent, Das, that was chasing them. Um, I recognize her from Umbrella Academy. Oh, nice. And she's actually done a, a lot of stuff. Um, she apparently was in Sherlock, um, Doctor Who, all kinds of stuff. So um, I thought she was really good in this role, too. And I thought that she brought a lot of fun to her role even when it could have just been you know she's like the hard ass Mm -hmm. yeah no i agree with you i thought that um she seemed to be having fun as well in this role which again i think was kind of important and in many ways i think it it kind of goes to what this movie is in every sense of the word it's it's 90s fun like this movie is so much a '90s movie, um, and, Thank and you I think so much for that. Because... I think that's kind of what Gal got right. Like that's what we're going for is that kind of over the top, ridiculous Michael Bay type of action. I mean, this feels like, and I stressing this, it feels like the original Transformers movie that he did, where it's that that type of thing that's what they're going for here here's here's what i was doing watching this movie i'm seeing her going 
this is like uh, the the national Thomas Crown entrapment of doom. Like, because it was like I'm sitting here going, I, 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 I was, it's like national treasure, <laughs> yes. the Thomas Crown affair, um, and random Indiana Jones movie thrown in at the end. You know, it, it was just this weird thing of like late '90s, early 2000s heist movies that I'm like. I'm going to be honest, we're like my bread and butter. Like, I love all these movies. So mm-hmm. there's a part of me that appreciates the tropes. Like, like even the Interpol agent, like, literally, I just watched Army of Thieves with one. It's like, oh, it's like John Hamm from the town. Or, like, anytime you've got, like, the beleaguered cop who's, like, chasing the charismatic leads, it, you know, it it even at some points has sort of a Ocean's Eleven-esque-ness to it like it's it's literally just name any yeah. heist movie from the late 90s and early 2000s and you saw inspiration in this movie and like i and like you said matt like for me like the whole ryan reynolds chase to the museum had was very bay which was funny because you know last year or the year before i was watching ryan reynolds and six underground on netflix directed by michael bay oh. The less said about that movie, the better. Oh, come on. That was like Bayhem <laughs> 2.0. That was Bay uh, his Bayest. It, it was, and, and that's what made it the worst. But anyway, that's a whole other podcast. But I, but I love it. But that was kind of like, I'm not sure if that was something that made it charming or that was something that made it feel tired or I was charmed and tired at the same time because it did feel like take Thomas Crown Affair, take Entrapment, take National Treasure, take a random Indiana Jones movie, throw them in a blender, and we got this movie. And that's one of the situations where it can be a pastiche and you are charmed by it because you're getting something familiar but fun, or you get bored by it because it's been there, done that, got the T-shirt. And I feel like I felt both of those feelings at different points watching the movie. Yeah, I think you're 100% right, because there's definitely moments where I'm really excited about it. And it's like that nostalgia brings you back in of all of the movies that you love so much. I mean, heck, they had a bridge falling sequence. (laughs) They're they're in the jungle trying to get, you know, find something on a treasure map. It's just it's all of those things together. Um, But yeah, I think ultimately for me, I lean a little bit more toward wanting more from it. Plot wise, it did feel like it was the greatest hits, but no punchline. Yes, very well put. That's a I mean, that is a fantastic point, Christy. I think that's exactly what this movie is, is that. It, it it has the veneer of everything that you guys just mentioned, and yet it's kind of like the hollow chocolate bunny at Easter. You know, you're like, oh, right. there's no chocolate in there. It's just this <laughs> facade of chocolate. Um, and But where's the cream filling? Exactly. Um, <laughs> so I, I think, it, yeah, it, you and and, you know, like you said, Scott, when you remind us of all of those movies, then it's like the thing where you're just thinking to yourself, why am I not just watching one of them? Yes. Instead of this. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the that's where you if you are going to play in these type of tropes, you really have to make sure that you create something that doesn't make people wish they were just watching what it is that you're basically ripping off. And yeah, I think, you know, watching this, I, you know, I, and Chrissy, I like that you bring that up. Like the storyline here is, I mean, it is basic, you know, <laughs> you're basic. It's, it's, um, <laughs> there's, there's nothing here that is, is it, you know, all the twists and the turns you're, you're expecting because they're not doing anything to surprise you. And that kind of just leaves you like, oh, yeah, well, I mean, that makes sense. You know, like, I, I think that's the like thing. The fact, the fact that um, Gal Gadot says, uh, what was it she says to Ryan Reynolds toward the end? She's like, 
you thought that I was going to go to Egypt. I was just waiting for you to lead me here. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, ah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't new. No, yeah. And I think... It, it's one of those things, and, and, and we kind of touched on this, obviously, at the beginning, but I think that's one of the things as well where then I would say that the production value where, um, you know, it just, it didn't help the movie. Um, it, it didn't, it because it wasn't as high quality as you would have wanted, um, I mean, they spent $160 million on this movie. 200 uh, Yeah, there you go. $200 million. That's when it ballooned to. It's like, on yeah. what? Like, the stars and some bad CGI? Like, I, you know, um, you can make... I mean, The Mandalorian makes incredible episodes of television that look better than this. Like, maybe you should have just hired them to, like, create your you know visual movie i I don't i just it was strange but yet when 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 netflix touts you know how many people have watched it there is a part of me that looks at and goes i understand why i mean there there is not everyone watches a movie like we watch a movie. Like, you know, I, I I like movies personally that I can watch multiple times, that I can get something out of it after every showing. This is very disposable. It, it is. I watched it. I, you know, it's basically like eating a bucket of popcorn. I just I kept eating and I kept eating and kept eating. And eventually I'm like, where the hell did my popcorn go? You know, and that's kind of like watching this movie where you kind of go, well, where where did the last two hours go? But that's what some people want, especially what you mentioned, Matt, in a in, in an era of I can't keep up with all the content that is being thrown at me. It it, it becomes sort of this great. I can it, it's I need to watch something. This is something that looks mildly entertaining. Was I entertained? Yes. Cool. For a lot of people, that checks the box and they can move on to the next thing. If it's forgettable, who cares? Because I at least entertained myself for the two hours that I was watching it. Not everyone needs it to stick to their bones. And so mm-hmm. that's what this movie does. It, it It's popcorn. It's a candy bar. You know, it, it, it's not the apple. It's not the it's not the steak that's going to, you know, satiate you and stay with you for a while. It's just the fun little mm-hmm. empty calorie snack that, you know, got me through this period of my life. And then I get to move on to the next thing. I just I can keep on munching. And honestly, it's something that streaming does. It's like, cool. I watched it. I move on to the next thing in my queue. And it, I love the food comparisons. I'm going to do that now with everything. <laughs> but it really, really does work. It really does make yeah. sense. And yet, I, I think sometimes, like, did I think this was a particularly great movie? Absolutely not. Was I entertained by it? Sometimes. But yet, I know, I understand the type of person who really got a kick out of this. But then we'll never talk about it again. But they'll remember it as being something that was really great simply because it entertained them for the period of time that they watched it. And that's all they need from it. And no judgment about that, because I have family who falls into that category, who I talked about, (laughs) who I talked to this movie about. And it's it. But it serves them. And that's also why you get high viewing numbers, because let's be honest, there's more people like that in the world than people who want to like, you know, swirl their wine and like smell it and like swish around their mouth you know it takes them five hours to drink one glass of wine like that's that's not your normal consumer of movies so sorry the food comparisons now now i'm now all i'm thinking about is i'm making food comparisons <laughs> <laughs> you're like now i'm hungry <laughs> well i think i think that you know you're a hundred percent you know, valid in that point because that is what a lot of people end up wanting. And but I do think on the other side, it's one of those things where I watch a movie like this and then I'm reminded as to why I don't care to keep up with, you know, all of the stuff that's coming out because it's just not 
I mean, most of it, it, it's it's kind of this, you know, empty headed entertainment that it's not, it isn't worth the very little time that I have, you know? And so it's like, there's that flip side where I'm reminded of like, yeah, there's all this content coming out on all of these streaming platforms. And this is probably more representative of the fact that most of it, you know, you could take it or leave it. Like, you watch it, it it's not going to have any impact. You don't watch it, it's not going to have any impact. <laughs> like, you know, so I, 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 I do wonder, like, and, and I didn't put this on the outline, but I just think to me that this is indicative of where we are with all of this in streaming in the sense that I don't, I think we're at the point where less should be more, you know, instead of the other way around. And I'd rather have quality versus quantity. And right now, all we got is quantity, like, um, and, and there's, there's very little quality. Now there is quality out there. Don't get me wrong. There's, there's quality out there. Um, Zack Snyder's Justice League is quality, you know, like you, you get those, yeah, you shush, uh, you get those (laughs) rare moments of, but you get those rare moments of quality, like where you really, you watch something and you're just kind of blown away by it. But on a whole, that's probably not the case with with most things. And so, I don't know. I just, I guess part of me, it like watching this, I was like, dang, man, I we're just in this place where there's so much stuff being thrown at us. And, you know, I, I wish uh, I felt like more of it actually mattered, you know, in the long run. So, But, okay, devil's advocate, but at least... If you're not someone who feels compelled that you have to watch everything, at least there's this myriad of choices, and at least there is a myriad of choices for me to go. It's like the buffet. I can go, yeah, I'm not going to grab the crab salad. I'm not going to grab the casserole over there. But boy, am I going to like load up on the pasta over here because this is something that I'm going to enjoy. And, and I think it's like I want to watch this movie for the for the for the exact reason we talked about at the beginning, it's a heist movie and it's got Dwayne Johnson, Ryan Reynolds, and Gal Gadot. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's all I needed. That's all I needed to make me go. This checks some boxes for me. This put it on my right. I'm going to watch it list. And there's other movies mm-hmm. that come and go. That's like, yeah, I don't need to watch that, and I don't feel any compulsion. Mm-hmm. But there's going to be somebody right. else who that yeah. checks some boxes for. And 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 I think that's why you got to look at this. It goes this checks some boxes, and w- yeah, mm-hmm. and whether you personally find it entertaining or not. And like I said, it's a mixed bag for me. You know, there's somebody who thought this was just wonderful and great. That's who it's made for. Because something that I'm going to go over here and watch, I know someone else is not going to enjoy, but I'm glad it was made. And let's be honest, streaming services feel compelled to make more content. I don't understand the idea of the, I always need something new. Like, that's what I keep on getting told about streaming services is that they have to keep on making new original content because the streaming service is a, what have you always done for me lately? And I am not that mentality. I'm like, give me some old standard library stuff that I haven't caught up on yet. And I'm, and I'm perfectly happy digging and finding like do you have this i haven't watched this in a while but once again it, it it's just i am not someone else and someone else wants something else from their entertainment so i'm not going to berate the idea of cool i got new stuff it's just you know it was like a couple like a week ago i literally was watching a netflix movie from 3 years ago because i finally got around to it but it's always there. And I think that's another thing to think about is these streaming services is that they made this, but they made it because then it will always be there. It will always be something that someone can go and watch. Like the crab sa- salad at a sizzler. It's always been there, you know? So <laughs> you just don't know how long. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. 
no i'm i'm with you too scott like i'm definitely the person that um is going to look for things that even are not new but like i'm loving the fact that hulu has added a whole section of like old bbc stuff oh yes like i'm like give me mighty boosh any day give me black books give me all of that stuff you gotta watch yourself some miranda that's where it's okay that's really fun okay uh, but yeah, so it, I'm that kind of person too. But I also think that sometimes to oppose you a little bit, Matt, just for a minute, you know, that's why I'm here. Yeah. Um, is uh, sometimes you get a little overwhelmed, I think, with dramatic content and you need a palate cleanser. Oh, sure, and this sure. is like a palate cleanser. Sure. Yeah. I-, I think part of what I was trying to say too is just the overwhelming amount of things. Like you then just, it's hard to remember and or find things that that got released like i realized a few months back i never f- watched daredevil season three because it just got lost in the you know content ether and so i mean i'm i'm hoping to be able to find some time to to, to watch that i've heard good things about it I just, it's amazing and you yeah. owe it to yourself <laughs> uh, yes. especially after the awful season two um so you know it's um well, except for the, the the whole part with the Punisher, which was amazing. Anyway, um, you know, it's again that that, that that's just kind of what I was thinking more. Uh, uh, in in terms of that as well, it's just it, it's so easy to also miss the quality because there is just so much that's getting thrown at you, and you just like there's so many things to choose from. You kind of miss the good stuff sometimes so and i mean you both make great points in the fact that it's always there well hopefully for the most part and then you can go back and and watch it later so um i was going to ask both of you about this you know because this movie was kind of rife with some needle drops and uh you know and we get a soundtrack here but i don't really remember it so um, I remembered more the fact that we used like popular music, like the Beastie Boys and whatnot. And so, um, how did you guys like that? Did it work for you? Did you like it? Do you feel like it uh, added to the movie? Did you like the music choices? I feel like I love all of the music separate from this movie. Um, but the way that the songs that were recognizable were used in this movie felt out of place to me, like. The way that Sabotage by Beastie Boys was used in the Star Trek movie, totally awesome. It was a, a pinnacle moment, and they were literally going up against the man, and it made sense. But here, it was like, he's getting in the car, and he immediately crashed it. I don't understand. You know what I mean? I'm going to be completely honest. Soundtrack, Needle Drop, made absolutely no impression on me whatsoever i couldn't tell you what was playing musical wise in this movie (laughs) it literally passed me by like that is how oblivious i was to the soundtrack of this film not even ed sheeran he, literally the only thing that makes him as fact is that they said his name and he was on screen like that's his that's his far yeah, yeah. as that goes and i'm gonna be frankly honest i've heard the name i've seen the face i i don't keep up with popular music like contemporary popular music so it's like i have heard of you your name has floated around in the social medias you know that that's as far <laughs> as it went and honestly that bit was funny i i thought that i his his bit at the end i i did i was entertained you know so but other than that no like it made no impression on me whatsoever that i couldn't even tell you there were needle drops in the movie like that's mm-hmm. how oblivious i was yeah you know, I, I like that what both of you have said, because I do think that that's one of the places where those type of things, whether it's a soundtrack or needle drops that can elevate a film. And I agree with both of you in the sense that, like, I didn't love the way that a lot of the songs that they use, because maybe they just either felt super obvious or just didn't 
work well enough for the scene. And then, you know, when you don't really have a soundtrack that stands out at all, it doesn't, none of this is helping kind of like bring the movie more to life to me, which is it, it in the way that like, uh, I guardians, the galaxy, right? The, the music yeah. that James yes. Gunn chooses and both of the guardians, of the galaxy movies works really, really well. I, I, I would, I wish I could use the Suicide Squad as that example, but I can't because it's not good. See, I um, would completely and utterly disagree with you because yeah. as I hold the vinyl that I bought from Mondo, because <laughs> I actually really enjoyed I, it. But, and yeah, I I wish I enjoyed um, that movie, but um, it, it's it. But my, my my point stands like you have one that really works, right? Whatever and works for you, your it, taste, there are examples right, of right. you yeah, saw the exactly. movie and the movie compelled mm-hmm. you to want to go and buy the soundtrack. E- even even sure. if the soundtrack yep. is mm-hmm. a mixtape soundtrack, there was something right. about the yep. mix of songs. It stood out to you. It, it, it inspired you. And there was like, I want I could buy. I could go to iTunes or Amazon Music and just listen to the individual songs or get the albums. But no, I want to get this album with this particular selection because it spoke to me. And this is one of those that I go, there were songs in this movie? It works well with the movie, right? Like it, 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 it's like you, and, and that's where those people that can, you know, really put, film and song together i mean it's one of the things that um Edgar Wright does it have. so well yeah he does as well I, I was thinking too you know one of the popular things about the original few seasons of Grey's anatomy like first four or five seasons were the ways in which the music was utilized in the show and that that they did it so well it it actually catapulted artists out into like you know the 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 people actually knowing who they were uh because it mm-hmm. became so identified with that show and the song and you know again it's it's just the way in which that works and so it disappointingly uh, for all of us here none of that happened here in this movie which is frustrating because i think it's one of those places that if you had done that right you could have elevated the material you know, like a good soundtrack or a good mixtape soundtrack that goes along with the film can actually elevate a movie um, and, and make it feel even better than it is because the the music helps kind of bring you to a whole other level. And um, mm-hmm. or like I said, they would say musically a whole other octave. But um, I'm really interested for both of you then, you know, when it comes to rating Red Notice if we we're gonna do that out of five, I don't know, Scott. You're our guest, so what do you think that would be for you? I I rated it on Letterbox when I first watched it, and I honestly, I ended up giving it uh, three Cleopatra eggs out of five because a three out of five means it was enjoyable. I could see myself maybe playing it again at some point down the road when it tickles my fancy, but it's also very middle of the road. You know, I really save like a two and a half for when it's like, yeah, it wasn't terrible, but it wasn't great either. And and, and like, it, it's like two and a half and three is kind of like my, my meh. And and this really kind of fell into the there was enough in it that was not terrible that I could give it a solid three because it did some stuff well. I was entertained for the time that I watched it, but dang, was there just that 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 yearning in me that was like this could have been something more than what I watched. I'm not saying it was going to be cinema, you know, but it could have been like, it could have been fun instead of just like, it was okay. And that's, that's what it is. Like there's that bar and this landed on, that was okay. And it could have been a four star. That was fun. 
And it wasn't for me personally. Yeah. No, I think that you said it very well, Scott. I am on the same page. I also give it a three out of five um, snap on ties. (laughs) (laughs) Because uh, I thought that was actually funny. Um, And yeah, I mean, because, you know, if you look at it percentage wise, that's a 60 rather than a 50 out of 100. And so I think that it's definitely better than my meter of meh, okay whatever um but it's not the greatest movie of all time like it you know you wouldn't say this compared with dune um obviously i think dune's better um it's dune is cinema yes yes it is yes <laughs> um but this is like you know every once in a while you're just in the mood for like we said like a palate cleanser or whatever and maybe i'll watch it again because my husband hasn't seen it yet or something um, and I like the actors, you know, I think that the cast was well chosen. I just think like we are all, all we're saying, there are certain things that could have be, been done better, um, that would have made it more than what it was. I think the music was definitely one of them. And I'm going to throw it out there again. The drone filming style sometimes just really didn't work for me. I mean, like when they're flying around back and forth down toward them at the party, is what I'm thinking of, or, you know, flying around the cave mine shaft as they're racing the Jeeps. It, it just came across very low budget to me. Um, and then combined with the bullfighting scene and stuff, I just wanted a little bit more. But it was okay. I am going to give this two red dresses out of five because... Oh. Gal Gadot in that red dress is worth two stars. Uh, <laughs> the rest of the movie is pretty uh, forgettable. Uh, and that's too bad. You know, I think this could have been, you know, three, four star film for me, but really the production value on it would have had to have been much higher. And I think they would have had to try a lot harder with the the script. Uh, and the director, I think, would have needed to challenge, and, and this is the same director who did, you know, uh, Sky, what was it, Skyscraper or whatever with mm-hmm. um, Dwayne Johnson, which wasn't terrible. Yes. Uh, better, Much better movie than I thought it was going to be, but, you know, yeah, I mean... You know, he's good at the, we're just kind of ripping off better films and, you know, that's not great. And so this this film just didn't really work for me, but I did have fun watching Gal Gadot. So I will give it two out of five red dresses. Um, but it is time now for some recommendations. So if you wanted to recommend something good, Scott to the listeners what would you recommend uh well right now as i'm looking at the clock going my wife is going to kill me because we are totally ready to start season three of yellowstone we have finally uh started that show i know it's i know it's currently in its fourth season but we subscribe to peacock another streaming service so that we could start binging that and we have just torn through two seasons in literally two weeks and if someone had told me that this was the Godfather with cowboys, I would have been on this four years ago when it started. But Kevin Costner and and it's written and co-created by Taylor Sheridan, which if you like the Sicario movies or Hell or High Water or Wind River, I mean, literally everything this man does I love. So the fact that it took me this long to even start Yellowstone is frankly embarrassing. And it is incredible. So that's some TV that I and I think you could you could even watch season four on Hulu. So, you know, you know, spread out your streaming service love. So that's a TV show. I'd highly recommend book wise. I'm going to throw in a little literature. Um, I am currently reading The Last Shadow by Orson Scott Card, which if you are a Interverse fan. Um, I love Ender's Game and all the subsequent books and multiple series that uh, Orson Scott Card has created since the 80s. Uh, this is the book that finally ends it all. Uh, the Ender series, the Shadow series that followed Bean, 
if you are familiar. Basically, he he's written a book. It just came out a week ago that takes these two series and their timelines finally, after all these years, collide. And this is like the capstone to the entire universe. So I'm really enjoying that. And uh, it's a great sci-fi series, and I've loved it for years. And I'm, I'm just excited to kind of finally be reading the end. The end of Ender's Game? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I think I actually um is there a movie? For there that? is a movie. Yeah. It was okay. I don't hate it. I think I saw the movie. I'm familiar with it at least. Yeah. Okay. But that's cool. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, there um, there was one of those interesting things like between book 1 and book 2 there was a 3000 year time jump. So Oh, that's, that's a big a one. That's a big one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um well, I'm going to recommend um just a TV show, but um, I'm kind of excited because for the first time I've gotten into something new and um, it's because my husband introduced me to it. I'm like, this is really good. Um, I am hesitant sometimes when it's something I've never even consumed a little bit of, but I started watching with him um, the 1990s anime Cowboy Bebop. <gasps> yes! And and I'm not usually an anime person either, but it's yeah. There you go. Um, it's really good, and honestly, apparently, it's regarded as one of the best anime of all time, if not the best. Um, the music for that, speaking about music again, is perfect. Um, the intro music to every episode is like classic spy music. Um, like think about the music from The Incredibles, Matt. It's just like that, um, but l- a little more jazzy. So, yeah, anyway, I'm really enjoying it. Um, Steve Bloom voices a character named Spike, who's like the lead guy. So there's another Star Wars reference for you. Um, so, yeah, I recommend checking out Cowboy Bebop, the anime. Nice. Well, I saw they just did that movie on Netflix, speaking of a Netflix movie, which uh, <laughs> so. Um, but that's really cool. So uh, where are you watching it? I think on Hulu. It is okay. on Hulu. Okay. Yeah, you can stream okay. it on Hulu. Yep. Nice, nice. I'm going to recommend to everybody uh, a show that I have been watching, and I'm in its second season, and we're actually going to cover it next week, so I figure it's a good recommend, but I hate to give it away, but I'm enjoying Lock and Key Season 2, and we're going to be talking about it next week, so I definitely recommend that everybody start watching it so they're ready for our episode, Um, and I'm sure lots of people have probably already seen it because it's been out for a few weeks now uh, as well, but... Yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes you go into a season and you get that sophomore slump, and I'm not feeling that so far, and I am halfway through the the season. So, you know, uh, but who knows? Next week could be a totally different ball game. so you'll have to check out the episode then. But, Scott, thank you so much for joining us again. We are, love that we got to have you back, and uh, we can't wait to have you back again. But... Let everybody know where they can find you and uh, follow you and see what else you've got going on. Well, of course, you can follow me on Twitter at ScottDC27. You can uh, listen to my show, the DC Squadcast. Yes, that is a new name again. But, hey, you know, we we roll the times. And that can be found wherever podcasts can be found. We're also on Vero, Facebook, YouTube. And you can find the entire network of shows at squadcastmedia.com. I also, this is something new that started since the last time I was on here. You can also find me every Saturday night over at the Film Junkie YouTube channel where we, I'm one half of Batman the Fanimated stream as we are going through and discussing every single episode of Batman the Animated Series. Oh, I love that. Yeah, we are. We just uh, before Thanksgiving, we just did Mad as a Hatter was our last episode. And Dreams in Darkness is our next episode. You know, I need to go back through and watch them all anyway. So, yeah, we're doing them in production order. So nice. That's awesome. Uh, Well, I will tell you, you can find me, Christy, as well um, on Facebook and um, 
well, I'll say Instagram and Twitter first at Bespin Bell. And then also on Facebook, I'm sometimes hanging out in the Babel Conference. And when I'm not here, I also do a show with my friends Amanda and Teresa called Sabres and Spells, where we talk about geeky stuff we don't usually get to cover. So I hope you'll check that out as well on the Skywalking Through Neverland Network Skynet. And you could find me all over social media under the name Matt Rushing Zero Two, including uh, I, I like that you mentioned Scott Vero, uh, even though I am just a humble, lowly, normal Vero user, where I know you on Vero are verified. So. Which is pretty awesome, man. Um, and uh, yeah, which it's a great platform. I wish more people use it because it really is a. I I really enjoy it. So I'm gonna I I would uh, recommend that to anyone uh, if you're looking for kind of a more streamlined and and honestly nicer to use platform. Um, so uh, where it's much easier to control who who sees what you like to see. Anyway, this is not a Vero commercial, but I'm just saying you, more people should use it. Uh, you can also find me uh, here on the network doing uh, so many shows. Uh, I've got, of course, Snyder Cuts as well as Assembling Avengers here with John Mills in the uh, the network in the feed here at the 602 club so uh if you're subscribed to the show you'll get those shows as well uh, and of course doing literary tracks the orb and warp five uh here on the network so you literary tracks is about the books and the comics of star trek warp five is about star trek enterprise and the orbs about star trek deep space nine and then of course over on the nerd party network did owl post with drea kaufman about harry potter which is uh, a show where we walked through every single chapter of that series one chapter at a time and then you can find me over there with john mills on aggressive negotiations as we talk about star wars each and every week but thank you so much for joining us and y'all come back now you hear here